This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, Putin's war, which began on February 24th last year now, it's heading towards its first anniversary. It has not gone well uh, for Vladimir Putin and for Ukraine. It has been devastating in so many ways, the loss of life, the war crimes committed against civilians, the rape of women, and in many ways, it has been a terrible and continues to be a terrible situation for the Ukrainian people. But they have acquired the respect of the world, really, the free world, and the admiration of almost everybody outside of the Russian orbit of influence. And in Ireland, for example, there are now 60,000 Ukrainians here, and we are giving them shelter and supporting them in whatever way we can, despite the fact that we have our own crises in the health service and, of course, the most acute crisis in housing as well. And we have covered it extensively on this podcast, and one of the people we have relied upon is Johnny O'Reilly. Johnny's an Irish journalist and filmmaker. He lives in Ukraine. He's currently in Kiev. Uh, the capital. He has traveled to the front line in Donbass and the Kherson regions, and he knows Russia very well because he lived there for some time. Uh, Johnny, thank you very much for joining us again. I want to concentrate first today on what is being described as Russia's only battlefield win since last summer, and this is in a town called Solidar, and a city close by Bakhmut. Now, the claims are that these are uh, very important cities, and, and I want to know, I'm sure our listeners want to know why they're so important. The other thing that we'd like to know is about the Wagner Group, who are a group of mercenaries who have been enjoined with the Russian forces to fight Putin's war for him. First of all, is it true that Russia may gain this victory and that it will be the first victory they've had on the battlefield since last summer? Yes, it, it, it's true. Um, but if you step back and look at the bigger picture, you've got a front line that's, you know, 2,000 kilometers long. And uh, the war has settled into this battle of attrition where it looks like there hasn't been much movement uh, anywhere in the front line, apart from 
the, the big moves that Ukraine made first on Kharkiv and then Kherson recently. But when you kind of focus in on each of those little battles, which many of these, you know, online analysts are doing, gathering information from uh, online chats that the soldiers themselves are reporting back, you do uh, get a, a really interesting overview of what's happening, especially in the hot zones like Bakhmut and Solidar. Bakhmut is a city of about 80,000 people, Solidar about ten or 15,000 people. And what you get is almost like daily updates of the Russians having taken over a graveyard and an area nearby with a factory. And you get a lot of really up-to-date details about what's happening, uh, the movements that are happening around that space. There are salt mines in there as well, aren't there, Johnny, that are said to be of some value? Yeah, the salt mines are of, of great military value because they're quite fast. They have a lot of um, um, space below, which can which is impregnable. They can, can they can hold uh, heavy weaponry there. They can hold tanks there. They can obviously hide their soldiers, and their soldiers can pop out at different. Uh, tunnels that are like you know a few miles from the main uh, mine area yes. so it's it's very useful launching point and it's very hard it's very impregnable to get to get around that but solidar and Bakhmut, 80 miles north of it they're not prized possessions in terms of the um, logistics or str strategic situation for the war, but they've become a very important symbolic uh, uh, case because so much has been invested in winning these these cities, these the city in, in the case of Bakhmut and the town in in Solidor, and that's partly because in uh, Russia, the head of the Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, an oligarch who's very close to Putin but has no military background, he founded this mercenary group, the Wagner Group, and has now uh, received a lot of funding and support from Putin to go and execute the war. And Putin likes to do this to have a divide-and-conquer approach to the people working for him so that they demonstrate increased loyalty to him in order to outflank the competitor, if you like. Yes. So what, what, what's happening here is um, he has been throwing huge amounts of human resources, uh, cannon fodder essentially, to try and win these strategically unimportant towns in order to claim an important... Uh, symbolic victory yes. and outflank the national military in order to secure increased funding and increased political support for his grouping. So that's what's happened here. Um, he's thrown huge amounts of cannon fodder, essentially, into both Bakhmut and Solidar. But about one week ago, having, you know, re relentlessly tried to take Bakhmut for months, they uh, changed tack and moved a lot of their troops down south to Solidar and achieved a, uh, a victory in Solidar in the hopes to outflank the city north of Bakhmut by uh, approaching it from the south. So, yes, it looks like Solidar will fall, but uh, it's by no means certain that it, 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 he, it, it means that Bakhmut, the bigger prize, w will fall soon. Now, the, the overall picture we have, and there was a very interesting piece 
in the Sunday Times at the weekend. The headline said, Putin relies on raw recruits while Ukraine embraces Western technology and there has been deliveries and there are deliveries on the way to help the HIMAR weapons, which are actually there. And the HIMAR is a, a, a missile system took out, we are told, four or five hundred Russian troops last week in one blow. But the general picture we have is of Putin relying on conscripts, raw recruits, people who are untrained, and that there's a lot of trouble and a lot of comment in Russia, particularly in Moscow, about how he has got this invasion wrong from the very first day. Nothing has worked out as predicted, and they have been losing on the battlefield more than you would imagine they they should. And a lot of people are falling out of windows, Johnny. That is, Russian former soldiers, uh, one general I read of who's 85 and retired, who had been critical of Putin, he's fallen out of a window. And I understand that an acquaintance of yours also suffered that fate. Can you explain to us from your knowledge of Russia and, of course, your, your proximity to uh, Russia right now, about these mysterious deaths. And we're talking here maybe 30, 40, 50 people since the war began. Well, um, when Putin took power, uh, he uh, started a within the FSB a, a, a group of assassins. He basically set it up himself. And this was one of the things that Litvinenko when he was at the FSB, came out. He outed this group yes. uh, in a very famous press conference and within hours was on a flight exiling himself to London. So that was the act of treachery which ultimately uh, Putin killed him for. Yeah, and just but, to explain, Johnny, that the FSB is what used to be known as the KGB. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. yeah. The KGB was split into three, essentially. The FSB be the in internal intelligence, you've got SVR, which is external, and you have the military intelligence uh, guru. So, uh, but people still use the catch-all phrase, the yes. FSB, for all three of them. But um, So Putin has been running these assassin squads since the first you know year of his uh, presidency and of course uh, the, the the squad which specializes in uh, poisoning was uh, uh, exposed by Navalny which has been made into a you know the story of which is now subject yes. to in a big documentary which looks like it might win an oscar but um he uh, obviously since the war started has expanded that operation because almost weekly now we are hearing stories of people falling out of windows, you know, the, all these strange deaths involving suicides and double suicides of family members who have, you know, yes. according to their friends, have never shown any um, uh, evidence of depression or anything. So uh, it, it seems quite clear that there is a very active uh, campaign uh, targeting mostly people within the business elite in Russia who perhaps for one or other reason have uh, chosen to exile themselves to go against what the, you know to, to to demonstrate that they're not willing to toe the line in terms of business um, so a lot of the people who have been killed are from the oil and gas industry including as you mentioned, 
a gentleman I knew from Moscow back in the, when, when I lived there. He was um, a guy called Dan Rappaport, who ran a, a, a nightclub in Moscow and then became quite well connected with people who had money within the regime. But he supported uh, Navalny very early on financially and uh, became a big supporter of Navalny. But he was never a, 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 a significant player or uh, certainly not even a significant um, political uh, advocate. But he, uh, like many of these others, died in very mysterious circumstances in Washington, uh, again, fell out of a window and left some strange suicide note. Yeah. So all his, his close friends, including his wife, believe it was a murder. Um, so, yeah. Johnny, the impression of Putin before this began and since I think the year 2000 was when he became the Russian leader and effectively the dictator, was that he was a cool former FSB operative, that he was smart, cool, on top of everything, and that he was ruthless, of course, and unpleasant, but competent. Uh, that impression has been, uh, in many people's eyes, shredded because of the mistakes he's made, his working assumption at the beginning in February 24th, that they'd take Kiev in three or four days, they'd capture Zelensky, put in a puppet regime in Kiev, and the, the war would be over. I, I'm not in any way misrepresenting that by saying that. I'm not misrepresenting the facts. No, no, that, 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 that's true. But um, the perception of Putin outside the country is a very different story to the perception of him within his country. Yes, he did uh, appear to be quite cool and clever for much of his reign, but um, now that certainly seems to be unraveling in terms of the international uh, perception of him. But at home, it's a different story because he has such a control over the media and there is such discipline when it comes to um, disseminating the uh, talking points that the Kremlin yes. wants in order to keep the story alive that Putin is a very uh, competent and uh, clever leader. So uh, he's managed to successfully imbue that impression amongst uh, a large swathe of the population. But one, one would imagine that's diminishing with every month of bad news from, uh, from Ukraine. Now... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Zelensky went to Washington. He has been in, in London as well. He has clearly been a very effective leader of the Ukrainian people. He is looking for weapons, 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 more weapons, uh, more sophisticated weaponry. He is also talking about reclaiming every bit of uh, Ukrainian territory. And whilst there is general approval among the people, the more serious and far-seeing politicians in the West believe that he has to be, to some extent, denied weaponry that would be too sophisticated, and that might encourage him to escalate, to hit targets in Russia, and ultimately to be so powerful that the West couldn't control him. There is an issue there, and particularly with the Republicans gaining control of the House of Representatives, the Congress, at the weekend, many of those who are now calling the shots in that Congress don't believe that Ukraine should be funded and supported to the extent that Joe Biden has done so. In fact, that there will be a a problem for the Biden administration soon when they have to lift the debt ceiling or not. And the Congress are the people who will decide that effectively. If the debt ceiling is not allowed to be raised, then the money for Ukraine may dry up. I think... That might well be overstated a little because... Yes, dry up is probably an overstatement. It will be diminished somewhat. Yeah, the the majority of the GOP, of the uh, Republicans, still very much support uh, Ukraine. And I think Zelensky's appearance in uh, America two weeks ago was a hugely successful PR exercise. Yes. And uh, would have um, 
would have gone some way in diminishing those arguments that are that are fighting for less funding for Ukraine, but certainly insofar that the Ukraine that the uh, extreme wing of the Republicans can impact that decision making, one would imagine that or, that it, it would just diminish the funding by a small percent. Um, but I think everything, it really depends on what happens on the ground. If Ukraine continue to press hard, continue to demonstrate that they can win this, then the backing will always be there. You know, the Americans, no matter what they believe, they want to be on the winning side. Yeah. But if the Russians somehow manage to... Um, turbocharge their reserves and to roll over the Ukrainians on the battlefield, then that kind of argument comes into more focus. Yes. Um, so it's still down to what happens in places like Solidar and Bakhmut. Um, but recently there has been a big uptick in the quality of technology presented to the uh, Ukrainians. And it, it seems that there's no stopping the uh, in improvement in technology that the Americans are willing to provide to uh, Ukraine. The, the Patriot mi missiles in particular are like the A-list yes. you know, technology. There's nothing like those in the world. And they will have a huge impact once they are uh, on the ground. They, they are described as kind of defensive items, meaning that like, you know, they're only for uh, for destroying offensive missiles and yes. offensive, but they can be very easily deployed for offensive operations as well. Because when you deploy a Patriot missile f for essentially for sixty miles around that position, you have a no-fly zone. Yep. If any enemy uh, uh, flight appears in that uh, zone over that over that time it will be taken down by the uh, by the patriots so that that's be, that's significant and also the provision of armor personnel vehicles and tanks now uh, these are pre provided in order to give ukraine the capability of uh, a significant offensive operation on the ground in places like bakhmut and and solidar now, you're living in a war zone, Johnny. Much of what we see in terms of destruction of the infrastructure in somewhere like Bakhmut and other devastated towns and cities we've seen, also in terms of killing civilians, kidnapping children uh, and civilians, uh, taking them to Russia, all of the kind of horrible war crimes that we have witnessed in the last 10 months inflicted on the Ukrainians by Putin. And I wonder, can you explain to us the mood of the Ukrainian people now in the context of the fact that many Ukrainians, particularly in the Donbass, where there was in 2014, the Russians took a chunk of Ukraine in Crimea as well, can you explain how those in the Donbass and in, say, elsewhere in Ukraine who identify as Russians, whose first language is Russian, how are they in all of this? And how much does that complicate what isn't really just a battle between the Ukrainian people and Putin, but a battle between Ukraine, which is 
in many of its regions, Russian-speaking and regards Russia as the home? Well, at the moment, it's not much of a complicating factor because the war is a very clear black and white zero sum game right both sides are just trying to achieve victory and and defeat of the enemy now where it will become complicated is after victory happens what's the lay of the land going to look like how are they going to embrace those people who have fled the battle zone and gone east to Russia, for example, those people who feel more Russian than Ukrainian, you know, they are going to have to be embraced and brought into the fold in Ukraine somehow. And that's where things are going to be very challenging. Look, there's the the pro-Russian feeling is, is, uh, you know, appears in very different strengths and hues across the country, largely related to how east you go in the country. But certainly many of the people who who were sitting on the fence, for example, in places like Odessa, uh, which was traditionally a pro-Russian city, many people speak Russian there, they feel more Russian than Ukrainian, but um, the majority of the people there now are firmly Ukrainian patriots. Right. They, uh, so, you know, the, the difficulty comes in places like the Donbass, which has been ravaged by war and also ravaged by uh, Russian and Ukrainian um, propaganda. So many of those people have fled their homes. Many of them, if they ever return, will have issues over property rights. Their properties may be destroyed. Friends and family have left. Friends and family may have been injured or, or, or killed. So it's it's going to be extremely complicated to absorb those lands back into the Ukrainian fold and to manage uh, the, the local leaders who, who 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 will still remain somewhat pro-Russian. Yes, and that's that's assuming that Ukraine gets a clear victory in the Donbas, which of course it may not. So the, all of those complications are are, are very uh, stark uh, across the horizon if and when you know victory happens for Ukraine. From what you know of Russia, how secure? is Putin's position right now? It's a very interesting question because um, it's it's something that's very hard to uh, to justify an, an analysis of this because it really speaks to, uh, A, the psychology of one man and the mass psychology of a people yes. and how they relate to him. I am more of the belief than most analysts that his position is very weak because the the, the system is weak inherently. Yes. It's, it's, it's a house of cards that's based on the symbolic power of one man. So the, the, it's not the real power, it's the symbolic power. And that's what drives him. It's that power that he creates through the illusion of the the virtual reality that he has concocted and created through the through the media and through the propaganda. So if, for example, he suffers a significant defeat in the East, he will try 
sorry, in, in, in Ukraine, he will try to spin it, to turn it, to lie about it. Yes. And at a certain point, the lie will become so clear and so obvious that all his symbolic power will drain away very quickly. And because there's no ethnic or ideological power base in the country, that the power base really is about loyalties to the head of state, mostly through uh, graft and corruption that, you know, the, the, he has brought people into his fold by offering them privileges to to steal money, essentially. Yes. So th- th- those bonds are not strong. So I believe that when the end comes, it'll unravel extremely quickly and it'll be chaotic and everyone will be very surprised at how quick it happens. But, you know, my analysis is that the, the Russian system is, is a house of cards. Yes. And with, with enough pressure on the ground in East Ukraine that uh, the, the system could collapse. Yeah. Uh, just a final question about Kiev, which had not been attacked or subjected to artillery destruction the way other places in Ukraine have been. But there has been recently more attacks, particularly on the infrastructure to take out water and lights and stuff like that. The mood of the people in Kiev, in your view, are they thinking that this is a long war and we're going to be there to the end? And that might be down to what might be seen as inspirational leadership by Zelensky? Or are there moments, uh, particularly when they're under attack, that people feel a bit wobbly? Um, The wobbles come when uh, Russia achieves victory. Yeah, I mean, for example, uh, just to uh, put this uh, context on this, before we came on air, John, you told us you've no electricity right now. Um, yeah. And we're, you know, we feel it here when electricity goes out for an hour. <laughs> and it seems to be the situation you're in, and it can get worse, as we know. And I'm trying to put it in that context. Yeah. Well, it, you know, look, humans adapt to all situations, right? And with, with, um, everyone's become an expert in power stations and generators in this country. And, and right now, for example, I'm speaking to you via a router, which is powered by a power station. So, um, yeah, we, look, we do suffer electrical blackouts, but most people um, suffer them just for a few hours every day. And actually, for the last week, there has been very few power blackouts. Now, there's a direct relationship between the amount of power blackouts in Kiev and in many other places, direct relationship between that and the provision of high-tech anti-aircraft systems. Yes, that's the basic thing you referred to earlier. Yeah, and actually I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine who is uh, 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 working uh, on an anti-aircraft battery north of the city, just on the edge of the Kiev Sea, which is this very large lake that you know stretches almost from the edge of the city up to the border with Belarus. Um, and a lot of the uh, drones and the missiles go down the center of that uh, 
of that lake because they know that the anti-aircraft systems are far on, on each side, right. perhaps too far for many of them to to knock them out. But what happened recently was that, and, and what has been happening, is that they've been sending over a mix of both rockets that's, uh, you know, uh, jet-fueled uh, um, missiles, cruise missiles, and these smaller drones. Now, the drones have been getting through, but they're not as de- devastating as the larger missiles. Yes. So in the last barrage, 100% of the missiles were knocked out of the sky. So that was a, you know, it was growing from 80%, 90%, and that was the first time they knocked out 100% of them. Right. Um, there was quite a significant, there was three waves of attacks actually over the 31st and the 1st of uh, January. Uh, but many of the drones got through um, because, as my friend told me, that what they do is they work in a zigzag fashion. So each uh, each drone has one operator somewhere back in Russia, probably. Yeah, just these are provided by the Iranians, aren't they? These drones, some of yeah, them. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's it's a big. It's uh, the, Russia has done a big deal with Iran to uh, provide these drones and also to manufacture and perhaps even co-manufacture these. So. So far, there hasn't been a massive devastating attack on the infrastructure, like not one single one. You know, there's been uh, small attritional attacks which have, you know, knocked away at the capabilities of the utilities. But, you know, obviously, you know, what could happen is that they launch 400 drones instead of 100 drones. Yes. And that could have, have an impact. But they haven't demonstrated the capacity to do that yet. So one hopes that that that's not going to happen. Um, but to be honest, so far, the wobbles about people feeling fear have been very few and far between because uh, all the facts uh, in terms of the small victories on the battlefield and the major victories in the battlefield have mostly been in Ukraine's favor so yes. far. Now, that doesn't mean that Russia, which with its huge, vast reserves, cannot somehow muster up a, a significant victory. They just haven't done it yet. Okay, Johnny. Um, it's fascinating to talk to you and you have our admiration and I'm sure uh, uh, the admiration of all our listeners. Johnny O'Reilly is an Irish journalist and filmmaker living in a war and reporting on it very, very well indeed. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks to all of you who listened. Uh, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.